Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro Code UK's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. Today we're talking to grief specialist Carol Henderson about the Queen's death and collective mourning. When I first read the headline that the Queen had died, even as a grief specialist, I was astonished at how big my reaction was. I was instantly tearful. And because, I guess partly because of what I do, I I kind of reflected and went, oh, well, that seems a bit surprising that here was this lady who I've never physically met, um, who was quite old, um who died and it's like wow i didn't i didn't expect this reaction and i i suspect there'll be many people who are the same who are quite surprised by their initial oh i didn't expect to have such a big reaction to someone i didn't know but of course we all kind of knew her because we knew her through the news through documentaries through the netflix program if you watched the crown and i see that Lots more people are starting to watch it now as a result, which is kind of not surprising and kind of nice that people kind of want to get to know her a bit better. So I think what to expect is that things will change. So how you feel one day, we're feeling different the next. And I think it's also fair to comment that quite often what happens when someone very well known dies or someone in public life, if you like, it reminds us of the losses we've had personally because pretty soon on the heels of thinking how sad I was that the Queen wasn't there, was I started thinking about my own mother, um, who died in 2015. And sadly, she died just two months before I got married. So she didn't make it to my wedding, to Ian. 
And that was really sad. So all these thoughts and memories came back. So I'd be expecting quite a few people to be remembering their own losses. Some people may be quite angry that there's so much attention going on to a loss of an old lady that they didn't know when they've had a big loss recently. And we need to be mindful of that. But just remember, everyone's different. We all had our own unique relationship and expect this need to tell stories to go on. I don't know if you've noticed already, everyone, the social media is full of their favorite stories, their memories. And that's a normal reaction. We want to talk about the person who died. Completely normal reaction to grief. Is that a helpful way to kind of work through it? Absolutely. Um, grieving people need to be heard because there's no fix. You can't go, oh, I'll do that and I'll feel better. But it's absolutely normal to talk about our relationship to that person, what they meant to us, what they didn't mean to us. So while people don't want to hear necessarily an opposite view to what they're feeling. So it's about being patient, listening to others air their stories and memories and then if you someone's telling you a story, just be patient and hear them. Because the most important thing is that we are heard. We want to externalize this emotion that we've got. And the easiest way and one of the most effective ways to externalize it is to say what's on our hearts. I'm surprised at how sad I am or I'm not bothered at all. Whatever's your truth, tell your truth. And if you're listening to someone, listen respectfully to where they're at and wherever they're at is fine because that's their truth. What are some other things that we can do to work through these emotions, especially if they have, as you say, kind of taken us by surprise? I think it's it's just take that little bit of time to process them. It's very easy in our busy everyday lives to kind of push things down and get on with things. So take advantage of a little bit of time. And for you, that might be at the very beginning of the day or the very the end of the day or maybe in a minute silence um, that's going to happen on Sunday or maybe on Monday during the funeral to just really sit with your own feelings and allow them to surface. And then ideally, if there's someone with you, say what's going on in your heart. So it's about taking the time to allow yourself to have the current feeling so that you can move on to the next feeling and give yourself permission to feel differently later today than you did right now. I can really relate to what you're saying in there about uh, the range of responses. Because, um, with, like within my own friendship group, you know, some people are very sad about this. Um, some of them were sort of going up to Windsor to give tributes, um, whereas others uh, are obviously not sort of really not affected at all. Um, how do we sort of cope with that? I'm so sorry about my dog. It's just a nice change that it's not my dog making the noise in the background, <laughs> so I'm completely cool with that. And you're right, it's interesting because this this need to go and go somewhere and pay tribute, that's also a normal reaction, and it's equally normal for other people to shy away from that and, and find that strange. And some people get fixated on the amount of plastic around all the flowers, and um, it it kind of doesn't matter. So... Everyone's unique and everyone's different. So just allow them to be with it. Don't try and change someone's mind. Oh, it's a really worthwhile thing to go, to go and pay tribute. It's historical. It's you know, That's not what it's about. It's if that's meaningful for you, go do it. Follow your heart. If it's not, that's fine. Allow others to do their thing. Trying to persuade someone else to see it your way doesn't get anybody anywhere. So just 
it's one of those really old fashioned terms, which is live and let live. Just let people do what's right for them. I think one thing that I'm personally struggling with a bit is that I'm not having a massively emotional reaction to the Queen's death, but I feel like the kind of enforced mourning is beginning to take a bit of a toll on me. Like, um, you know, the way that every bus advert was taken over by the Queen and, you know, so many things are being shut down. Do you think that's going to have a mental health impact? Just the fact that, you know, even if you're not personally mourning, everyone around you is either is or is being encouraged to. Yes, I, I think there can be a negative impact to that because we have no control over some of that external stuff. Um, I myself found over the weekend, I turned the TV off. I turned, I you know, I spent less time on social media, which is no bad thing. Um, but just because I thought I'm getting weary of the repeated messages because it's back to I hearing all this stuff which is not necessarily congruent with where I'm at isn't necessarily helping me so I think if you become aware of that as far as you can turn it off I know that's not always possible you can't turn buses off in the street um but yeah turn the phone off switch off the social media for a while which doesn't do anybody any harm keep in touch with the people that are important to you but yes just be aware of that that it can be a drain and maybe think okay if I am affected do I need to hear it day after day after day or and I do think the media have got a really tricky job because wherever they land they'll be accused of either not doing enough or doing too much yeah, exactly. As both of it and I work in journalism, so we're navigating that exact thing of, you know, if you're too positive or saying too much stuff about the Queen, you know, people will accuse you of going on and on about it. But if you post anything else, they'll go, well, how dare you? We're in a period of national mourning. You're in a real no-win situation. And mm. I think that's the first thing to get comfortable with is you're in a no-win situation no matter what you do. So, And that's true even if you're speaking to someone grieving a loss on a one-to-one that's nothing to do with the Queen or anyone well-known. It's really hard to because one minute they want to talk about it, the next they don't. So the first thing to do when you're talking to someone who is having some kind of grief reaction to a loss is check in with them and say, do you want to talk about them? And if they say, no, respect that. And if they say, yeah, right. Tell me your favorite memory or tell me about something where they made you laugh or, you know, just get the conversation going about the person who died. Um, But recognize that it can change in an instant and it's not about you. It's about their grief. So don't get hurt or upset uh, or worry because you got it wrong. And another top tip while it's in my head, can I just add this? Because it's yeah, one of my favorite oh, moments. And I don't know if you've experienced this where you're having, you know, you're grieving something quite intensely and says some, someone says something stupid. It's okay. Okay, don't worry about it. And then they go on and they're so full of apologies that it takes you more energy to make them feel better mm. than the energy of dealing with the crap thing they said in the first place. And uh, I remember when my husband died, 
having a conversation with someone. They'd been out for a meal and they said, oh, this the cheesecake was to die for. And I just kind of looked at them and they went, oh, I am so sorry. And yeah, that's fine. Don't forget about it. It's just a turn of phrase. But they kept on, on, on and on and on apologizing. I said, just drop it now. And it took so much out of me trying to get them to shut up. So if you say something that's kind of a bit inappropriate, just apologize once and move on. So that, that's my little kind of rant. No, but I think I think that's such a good tip because I think people do really worry about saying the wrong thing. And I think saying to people like, okay, you might say the wrong thing, but that's fine. Just let's move forward from it. Exactly. Just drop it. And you'll know you've said the wrong thing because you'll get the look. Um <laughs> because very few people will actually say something. So yeah, move on. And here's the thing, there's no right thing to say. There's a lot of wrong things to say. Um, but just tell your truth. And so sometimes the easiest thing to say is, I don't know what to say. I'm scared of getting it wrong, which is truthful for you if you are scared of getting it wrong. And let the person who's grieving tell you where to go next with the conversation because I can tell you how I might react and you might be able to say to your friends uh, or colleagues how you might react and we're very different people. And also remember that grief changes by the moment. So whereas on um, Friday evening, I was really quite down and, and sad um, about what was going on with the Queen right now, pretty neutral. Um, so it does change all the time and it and it can change by the minute, particularly when grief is raw. You know, it can change by the second. So allow people the space to be where they need to be right just then. Is collective grief um, a new thing? It, it feels like it's very sort of amplified now these days because of, you know, TV and the media. And like we're sort of saying, especially sort of with the Queen's death, um, it's sort of everywhere. Um, but But is it a new concept? Really? Do you know what? No. Um, and the last big one that I remember, I suspect I'm probably a little bit older than you ladies, um, was when Princess Diana died. And that was a huge collective outpouring of grief. And, it, and you could almost feel it in the air, I think, because she was young and it was sudden and unexpected. Um, there was this huge, huge reaction. And more recently than that, there was the collective grief following... 9-11, um, so which the 21st anniversary, which kind of got overshadowed by all the coverage of the Queen dying, which is kind of understandable at the same time. I was a bit, what, we couldn't even have a little bit of acknowledgement that it's the 21st anniversary today. Does It's not news because nothing new has happened, but it seemed odd that it just didn't even get a mention anywhere. So, um, but that's my reaction. Some people say, well, it was 21 years ago. Does the news need to be talking about it at all anymore? I think it does, but that's just my opinion. So back to that no-win scenario again. So no, collective grief isn't anything new. When we have a loss in common, when you think collective grief might be at a funeral for a family member and that collection might only be five people, 10 people, 80 people, a hundred people. It's still collectively we're getting together and expressing our sorrow at something that's happened. So if we're talking about mass collective grief, yes, it does happen on these big events, big terrorist events, um, warring events. Um, if you looked at 
you know, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we might not have identified it as grief as such, but how many people sat and thought, I need to do something? Thousands of people said, what can I do? I need to do something. So this kind of almost fidgety energy of, this is awful. So that came out as people donating, organizing groups for collecting stuff to get stuff shipped out. So it's still grief. Grief is a set of conflicting feelings we have when change happens. So war on our doorstep was change. Oh, this is pretty close. And I've got lots of friends in countries right on the border of Ukraine. And the first thing I want to do is reach out to them and see where they were at. So we all had this big kind of, not we all, but a lot of us had a big reaction to that. So it's it's similar. It's So grief is unique, but this was a grieving event. People were losing their lives violently. It was shocking. So we needed to express that. And the expressions then were giving donations rather than popping flowers on a memorial or a gate. Does that make sense? Definitely. I saw someone actually related to this saying that some people might find that their unexpressed or unrecognised grief from the coronavirus pandemic and Ukraine and kind of past events might suddenly kind of come out as a result of the Queen's passing. Is that is that true? Is that something that can happen where your grief kind of piles up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Grief is cumulative. So if you've got stuff that's unresolved and, and I... I think we're about to, that we're already kind of, some of us are in this, I call it the shadow pandemic, which is the grief emotion that's coming after the whole COVID thing. It's really starting to bite. Um, so grief is cumulative. So when something else happens, if you've got unresolved grief from a previous event, it's completely normal for it to woof back up. So even if you're not aware that you're still, there's losses around COVID, the fact that something else has happened that's, if you think of COVID, there was a lot of loss of normality in COVID. Loss of normality, loss of social life, loss of connection. And then if you look at the death of the Queen, who's been, it's been normal for her to be there, as you said, throughout our entire lives for most of us alive now. I mean, she was four years older than my mum and four years younger than my dad. And so... To me, she was kind of like the nation's mother. For most people now, she's the nation's grandma or great-grandma. She's a very old lady. Um, but she's always been there. She's on the stamps. She's on the coins. She's on the letterboxes. You know, her warrants on the ketchup bottle. She's flipping everywhere. And that's going to change. And that feels weird and strange and uncomfortable. And a lot of what went on in COVID, even if you weren't directly bereaved by COVID, I was fortunate, you know, I... I did lose a couple of people who weren't fantastically close. A lot of people lost huge, massive losses in COVID. But I did lose connection. I did lose normality. I did lose business. I did, you know, there were lots of kind of more intangible losses for me. And when there's another loss, it comes on top. So it's completely normal to have old feelings as well as new feelings bubble up to the surface. So know if you're experiencing that, you are completely and utterly normal um in terms of i don't know if this sounds a bit macabre but i wanted to ask you a bit about sort of funerals and how do they actually help us to process grief 
Well, if you think about it, a funeral is a ritual. And most of our bigger life events, we have rituals associated with those. And a funeral is a chance to physically see the evidence that someone's died because there is a coffin in front of us. And it's so this is why people who don't go to the funeral can often feel kind of more stuck in their grief than if they did get to go to the funeral because it's part of, and if you go to a burial, you see it disappear. If you go to a, a, a cremation, you see it disappear. It goes on the little conveyor belt behind the curtain. And it's that ceremonial, they're leaving, helps us accept the reality that they've died. And just saying they've died more than once during the ceremony helps us start to accept that finality. And when we use euphemisms like they've passed um, or they've moved on, it's not as real. So this is why funeral celebrants and funeral directors will talk about using the D word, they've died, because it helps us accept that reality. So it's a chance for us to say goodbye and draw a close to that physical relationship we had with them. The emotional relationship doesn't end, of course. You know, my dad's been dead since um, 98, 99. It's weird how I can never remember exactly when he died. It's one of my blank spots. But he's been dead over 20 years. But, you know, I still have very much have an emotional relationship with him. So I still talk to him occasionally, etc. But the physical relationship ended and the sight of his coffin going away helped that realisation. That's what funerals are for. It's a conclusionary ritual. Its job is to create a memory picture of the relationship that we had with that person to bring that into focus so we can say goodbye and move on to the next stage of our relationship with them. So, yeah, they're vital. And the job of the funeral industry is to help us make that as good as it possibly can be in order to achieve that finality that helps us move forwards with the rest of their lives without that person in it. And if the funeral isn't done well, isn't done properly, or things go wrong, that can have a major impact on the grieving process. So, yeah, it's absolutely crucial, I would say. Well, the fact that the Queen's funeral is you know, being televised, we will be able to see the coffin. Will that be a massive help to help us tackle that kind of collective mass grief? Absolutely. It is part of the humans are very gregarious. They want to be around other humans. We're kind of herd creatures. So gathering together and witnessing the power of witness is incredibly important. Witnessing all these ceremonies, these rituals the, to mark these endings. It's all part of helping us acknowledge that this has happened and change is coming. So, yeah, the fact that it's televised will be hugely valuable in the same way that there will be people who are more motivated to go and try and see it in person because it's important to them. Uh, for many of us, just seeing the televised images will be enough um, or it has to be enough because we can't physically get to the route to see her pass. And also what we don't, we don't just see a coffin what we see is other humans' reactions. So we're witnessing the grief of others, which helps us identify that, yes, what we are feeling is normal and natural 
at this sad and solemn occasion. So, yeah, I think it will be immensely helpful. Um, it's an interesting decision that they've decided to make it a bank holiday because the word holiday feels odd to me. That's just hmm, bank holiday. Um, but that's the kind of name of it. It's got, got a function. Um because that means that everyone, to be honest, there'd be an awful lot of people who would be too preoccupied to work. Um, so let them sit and watch if they want to. And if you don't want to watch, do something with your leisure time. You've got an unexpected day off. Make the most of it. Those of us self-employed, a slightly different position. Um, but I will be p- taking the time to sit and watch the watch the funeral because is as well as marking the end of the Queen, who I very much respected. It's also a, a landmark day in history. It's the sort of thing that kids will be watching, you know, in school lessons in decades to come. So, yeah, I absolutely want to be watching that TV programme because I was there. So as part of that as well, I was there when that funeral happened. And again, with the with the coronation, how many times have we seen that black and white film of the Queen's coronation? Well, it would be kind of nice to watch um, King Charles live in glorious colour on my big screen TV because that's going to be a memorable day as well. Yeah, I definitely felt that too when the, the Queen died. I had quite an emotional reaction to it, but then had that sort of feeling of I kept sort of thinking, oh, this is actually history. I'm living through history. It was quite a strange sort of feeling. Um I think the only time I felt like that was when I was in a newsroom and um, Barack Obama was voted president. And I just sort of, we all just sort of sat there and we were just like, this is, this is history. This is, sort of history is happening. Um, what you've said about sort of funerals as well also kind of really helps me understand the, the period of national mourning, which has been, seems like quite a long time. But also, I mean, if you read through what happens during that period, it does give people a few days all around the country to to, to actually go and see the coffin and actually, um, so they're, they're paying their respects, but I suppose it is also good for people themselves to actually, you know, take on the reality of, of what's happened. Because it, yeah, I think for a lot of people, it is quite a shock to the system. It is. And um, there's there's quite a lot of logistics to get into place as well, which is why you need a bit of time. But it's also worth bearing in mind that when you are, uh, for want of a better word, if you like, the primary griever, if you've lost someone very close to you, that time between them dying and the funeral can feel very weird, feels you're in some kind of limbo. And it can feel like 10 days can feel like a really long time. And one of the consequences of COVID was that waiting times got extended beyond a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks is kind of fairly common other than within certain faiths where it has to be, you know, much quicker than that. But this, so do also remember for people you may know who are grieving a much closer personal loss, that they're going to have a very different view on this 10 day period. It's going to, the national one for the Queen is going to feel this almost irritating because it's taking attention away from their big grief uh, and also this weirdness of you're kind of left unfinished until. And then the other thing that 
that can happen is that after the funeral, everyone rushes back to normal. And of course, for um, the king and his siblings, they're still grieving the mum. You know, they've they've still got to get on with their public lives, but in their private lives, they're still grieving their mum, their their grandmother, their great grandmother. And around the country, there are people grieving spouses and siblings and children and close friends. And after the funeral, everyone kind of makes themselves scarce. So here's another tip: if you know someone who's having a uh, a close grieving relationship, don't abandon them after the funeral. And don't give them space because what they need to, they still need to be heard. The grieving doesn't end with the funeral in many ways. For, for many people, the healthy grieving process starts with the funeral because they kind of come out of limbo into, wow, reality bites. So if you know someone who's grieving, reach out to them. Even if they don't answer, just check in regularly, phone them up, you let them hear your voice. If they don't want to talk to you, they'll bounce it to voicemail. Leave a message. Um, it's really easy to hide behind text. Text if you have to, but preferably let them hear the tone of your voice, that you genuinely care. You genuinely, Just check in with them. Offer to do something practical. Uh, obviously, depending on how geographically close you are, would you like me to walk your dog? Would you like me to get some bits in from the shopping? Um, because people will often say, yeah, if there's anything you need, give me a shout. Well, when you're grieving, you haven't got the energy to shout. And you don't know what you need. But if someone offers you something practical, it's so much appreciated. And even if they say no, just keep offering. Offer to take them out. And I remember, because I was 40 when my first husband died and there was a lady across the road from me I lived in this tiny hamlet and two months after my husband died her husband died he was in his 80s and I watched and I watched all the cars come and go and then I watched the day of the funeral and then sure enough two days after the funeral there were no more cars there were no more visitors so I walked across the road and it was in the middle of winter and I'd, it's quite an American thing to do, but there's a reason it's a tradition in America. I, I took some hot casserole and, um, cause no one else had done it. And I knocked on the door and I said, Pam, if you had any lunch, and she, well, yes. I said, you've just had a biscuit haven't you, or something like that. And she laughed and she said, how did you know? I said, call it a lucky guess. So, and this was a lady I'd kind of nodded to and spoke, but not really had a friendship with before. But I just reached out and said, I bought you some, bought you a hot lunch. So we just sat down, had lunch together, talked about our respective husbands, drank tea, sobbed. Um, and that was lovely. And after, after that, I would, if not, I didn't make it a regular thing, but I would just pop in and check in on her and, you know, we'd have a chat and shared stories. Um, so because it's lonely after the funeral, everyone goes back to their normal lives and, uh, I remember there was one month my phone didn't ring at all. And just after the end of that particular month, a friend of mine rang and he said, Hey, CB, how's it going? And I just went, yeah, just completely broke down. He said, what's going on? And I said, no one wants to talk to me. I'm so miserable. No one wants to near me. And he said, oh, mate, I had no idea. I just wanted to give you some space. And I was like, really? 
have you any idea how much bleep bleep space I've got in this bleep bleep house on my bleep bleep own? And um, he kind of went, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And after that, he rang me every day. And after a couple of weeks of that, I said, mate, you've got to stop. Your wife's going to get the wrong idea. Um, I don't want her getting, you know, upset. So, but he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing by staying away. The trouble was everyone else had done the same thing. And I was so fantastically lonely and isolated. So, yeah, in in this run up to this funeral, just do a mental check of your friend circle. Is there someone struggling? Maybe not with this, but with something else. Check in with your mates. See how they're doing. Um, and after a funeral, whether it's this one or, or one that they've gone to, keep checking in. Keep checking in. And if if you take one thing from this, if you're listening to this, do that. Just check in with your mates because we need each other. We, You know, we're talking about mental wellness. P- humans need humans. Um, and there was some research done a couple of years ago that said um, people who have a like a social support network do better after a grieving event than people that don't. I was like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Really? You, you did this big study to work that out? We need humans around us. So look out for those neighbours. And again, that's quite an old fashioned concept. But maybe what the death of the queen does is give us some common ground that we haven't had before. Something to talk about. So and the other problem is, of course, we jump out of our front door to the car on the drive. So we don't even have to go past the neighbor's house these days. So just walk down the street. Those of you who haven't got dogs, because us dog owners walk down streets anyway, <laughs> just walk down the street and notice, say hello, engage in conversations with neighbours because it might be the only conversation they have that day. And it, it doesn't have to be. And again, this whole talk to your elderly neighbours, you can be lonely at any age. So don't just think, oh, they're old, I might need to make an effort. Just reach out to your neighbours. There's some we all know we need to avoid, right? And the neighbours, but okay, you don't have to reach out to them. But you kind of get what I'm saying. Be neighbourly, be social. And dogs are a great way to meet people, aren't they? And it's an interesting one because I bet you know lots of dog names in the street, but you don't know the names of their owners. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I got to know so many more of my neighbours than um yeah when I got a dog sort of know that not the whole neighborhood now but certainly all the dog owners and you're absolutely right I know sort of a handful of the names of their owners but all the dogs all the dogs names yeah definitely well because we have that advantage don't we because we hear them being yelled for so um yeah oh yeah that's Dexter's mum so so next time you meet Dexter's mum you say and you can say it's a bit embarrassing but you know I know Dexter, but I don't know your name. So just get a name because, again, it's another excuse to have a conversation and a bit of interaction. And I'm a strong believer in that the more interactions you have with more people, it's more contributing to it's another tiny little drip in that mental wellness bucket. So it might not be the game changer, but it's another little drip. And the more positive little drips that go in the bucket, you know, eventually that bucket will be full. Goodbye from 
If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 